some famous statesman in the early 19th century, I believe, I forget his name now, was asked about uh, Napoleon's uh, invasion of Russia. And uh, the man said, it was a war crime, wasn't it? And the statesman replied, it was worse than a crime. It was stupid. <laughs> Do you remember his name? One of his Clausewitz or one of those, anyway, political military experts. Uh, in, in the same way, Christianity uh, says body consciousness is a sin, but really, Yogi's view of it is that it's worse than a sin. It's stupid. The idea of sin is itself sinful because it takes place within the same framework of ignorance and duality. That's the problem. We have to get out of that whole framework because all that does is lead to more judgments, superego attacks, and a, uh, a quicksand of self-loathing that is useless for anyone on a spiritual path. So we have to get the fact that what we're doing when we're meditating is we are accumulating power. It's as simple as that. Do you want to be powerful or do you want to be weak? If you want to be powerful, you have to go to the source of power. The source of power is within you. It is, in fact, yourself. But the problem is your consciousness is living in some faraway land uh, orbiting around yourself, usually in that land we call the imaginary, in which you're identified as a body who is doing sinful things and is lacking, etc., etc., and the narratives uh, continue to expand and they create all of this negative energy. And the problem is simply that you're in a state of false consciousness because you're too far away from the center of your own being to receive enough shakti to give you that sense of luminosity and bliss that would take away the sense of lack and therefore the need for the narratives. And so even if you move to the next uh, orbit around the self, the symbolic plane, all you can do is construct very elegant theories as to why you're in a state of lack, but you can't do anything except create more theories that produce more lack. And then the best thing that your symbolic mind can do is to critique those theories, but that critique will dissolve the constructs without bringing you back into the center. So the only way to gain power is to return to the center, to abide in the heart, in the silence, in what the, the Zen school calls absolute nothingness. It's interesting that the, the, the Zen sages call absolute nothingness what the Western saints and sages call God and what Ramana calls the self, and what the Tibetan Buddhists call emptiness, and what uh, other uh, Chinese Buddhists call uh, the indescribable. So you have all of these ways of describing what is, in fact, beyond description, but any attachment to any of those as if they are accurate and the one way to understand that takes you away from the very center and into some symbolic attempt to describe or to grasp or analyze that which you are 
and the very act of trying to analyze it takes you away from what you are and thus removes you from the very power that this attempt to theorize yourself is trying to get you to, but it pushes you away. But any power to do anything requires the silence of absolute presence, in which there is no noise, there is no distraction, there is no vibration, there is no separation, there is no uh, ambivalence, no duality. It's that absolute one-pointedness. And that's where we must learn to stay, because the longer we stay in that one-pointed presence, the more of the power of that presence is accumulated in our consciousness. That power becomes will. That power becomes the capacity to persevere, the capacity to refuse to fall into delusion, the capacity to dissolve the ego. That power is also the power of love. And it's the power to download information so that you can turn that energy into useful symbolic structures when necessary, but you're not identified with them. And you're always abiding in the center, which is beyond any product and beyond any loss. So there's a reason why this center is called the all-powerful. It is. It is the source of all power, including the power of life that is in your body. But if there's anything you want to do, whether it's to fast, or to write a book, or to play music, or to make a film, or to do anything, it comes from the source of that power, which is yourself. And when you know yourself by being yourself, there are no limits, no limits on your intelligence, no limits on your artistic creativity, no limits on your capacity to achieve anything that you are called upon to enact in this world, whether it's sitting in a fire or it is creating a new world. All of it is possible because you are miraculous. And this world is simply the reflection of that miraculous nature of your being. There's a great book by Sir John Woodruff. You may have read it. He writes under, or wrote, under the name Arthur Avalon. He was one of the original Western writers on uh, Shakti and Tantra and uh, Yoga. He was a judge, a British judge, who went to live in India as one of the colonial elite rulers, but he went native. And uh, he was wearing a loincloth after a while and, and uh, studied under a number of different yogis and yoginis and attained some very high states and wrote a series of books. Uh, one of them is called The World as Power. Very important book. I recommend at some point that you read it. Uh, and the whole point of it is that we have dispersed our power. We have projected it out as the world. But all the world is, is our own power. And when we reclaim it, then what we reclaim literally is the power to produce a new world. We have to understand that the ego and consciousness itself 
lives in time and lives as time. Many people come in here and they don't want to process their past. They say, I don't want to live in the past. That's a complete misunderstanding. You only live in the past. The past is all there is. There is no future yet, and the present is nothing. The past is what is, and the past never disappears. The problem is you don't live in enough of the past. You live in this tiny sliver of the past that is limited by the biographical length of the existence of your current body. And that's filled with trauma. And the traumas in your past in this childhood are surrounded by decisions. Decisions based on trauma that have become defense mechanisms that keep you from reaching your innermost self. If you realize that the timeline of your existence goes way beyond the current life, but cannot be known by the ego, can only be known at the level of soul. Soul is that trajectory through time that actually includes all of time. The soul is time, and all of your past and all of your future, which ultimately are the same, are included in this moment that we call the now, if you are open to it. And that frees you from any limited sliver of the past and the decisions you made in that sliver controlling you. So we need to live totally in the past, but the past that includes the future and that includes that moment before time began. Now when we get beyond the soul, that's when freedom begins because at the level of the Atman, technically I would say the Paramatman actually, the Paramatman's job, its function, cosmically, is to secrete time crystals. And each time crystal is not just a moment of time, it is a crystalline kalpa. It is a, a poem, which is what time really is, that includes all of existence of any given universe. And when the Paramatman secretes a new time crystal, a new cosmos is born. We are now at the moment before that secretion is about to happen. But the fluids, the amrita, the nectar that will eventually uh, congeal sufficiently to be crystallized into a new time crystal of a new cosmos is now happening at the understructural level of this cosmic moment before the spawning of the angels and the, uh, the end and the new beginning. But it won't be a repeat. If we have gone to the entirety of understanding the kalpa and have digested the pastime crystal that we have been living on and in and as, we will be ready to graduate into the co-creation of a new time crystal, a new universe, a new cosmic reality. We have that capacity, but it has to be developed. And it cannot be developed within the ego mind that could not grasp any of this, and it seems like total insanity to be talking about this. <laughs> but I hope that all of you are insane enough to be able to grasp this potentiality of your consciousness, because that's what we're all really here for. But to do that, we have to get rid of all of the banal traumas of our biographical past and stop wallowing in this infantile ego self that is completely obsolete and useless to the next phase of our cosmic existence. So I hope all of you are ready to let go of your neurotic egos 
and enter into the sublime nature, not just of soul, but of Atman, in order to participate in this co-creation of a new cosmos. Because then we will be entering into the full, true nature of our essential function in the universe. And as manifestations of God to bring about the most beautiful, infinite reflection of God consciousness in the form of a universe of love and beauty and peace and ultimate intelligence. May the bliss of this function already pertain to you in every moment through your realization of this sublime infinite mission that we are on together.